This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's show comes from St Augustine's Anglican Church in Moreland in Melbourne's Inner North. We usually record before a live audience, but due to coronavirus restrictions, today we have an online audience. Today's big question, where can I find my place? We're asking this question today to Sam Dooley. Sam is the Acting Deputy Commissioner for the Disability Services Commission of Victoria and regularly attends this church, St Augustine's Anglican Church in Moreland, and she joins me now, Sam Welcome to Bigger Questions. Good morning, Rob. Thank you for having me. Now, Sam, we're talking today about finding your place. Now, has your sense of place been disrupted by lockdowns or the challenges of coronavirus restrictions? No. No, I don't think it has because I'm fairly settled in a in a, um, a family that's got early 20s kids. Um, my husband Paul and I have pretty stable jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, our families, whilst there's some challenges for some people with some health, we're very well supported. So um, I, I'm in a stable sort of, you know, church base and, yeah, so I'm very fortunate. So the church has helped you in this coronavirus time? Well, it's all part of my family. So, yep, part of my church family, my friend family, my family family. Yep. <laughs> and it's all helped ground you in this challenging time. Yeah, yeah. yeah and my good. work family, you know, they're all people I work with and are connected to. Yeah, terrific. Well, we like to kick off bigger questions with some smaller questions just to get us thinking. Today we're asking Sam Dooley about adoption, finding our place and belonging. So, Sam, our smaller questions today are about adoption and belonging in children's fiction. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, there's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one. Anne of Green Gables is the story of an orphan who was adopted by siblings Matthew and Marilla Cuthbert. Yet due to a misunderstanding, they wanted a boy and instead got Anne. So what does Anne say when she finds out they don't want to adopt Anne because she's a girl? Was it A, oh, this is just awful? Is it B, oh, this is the most tragical thing that has ever happened to me? Is it C, how dare you, I'm outraged? Or was it D, big mistake, big Huge, I have to go shopping now. Um, maybe C? <laughs> well, well, it wasn't, <laughs> unfortunately. I'm sorry. It was actually B. Oh, this is the most tragical thing that has ever happened to me. Now, but the good news was that she was adopted by Matthew and Marilla and became a real blessing to the elderly siblings. Now, were you ever a fan of Anne of Green Gables? No, and I've, it's not a book that I read. I wasn't a big reader as a child. Okay, right. I was right. more sporty. Okay, we have question two, to see, and we'll see if we can get you to pass. Okay, question two. Harry Potter was an orphan who was adopted by his aunt and uncle. However, it wasn't a particularly happy adoption. Now, in the second Harry Potter book by J.K. Rowling, The Chamber of Secrets, Harry meets a house elf called Dobby who encourages Harry to stay home. Harry responds by saying that he doesn't belong at Privet Drive with his aunt and uncle. Where does he say he belongs instead? Was it A, I belong in your world at Hogwarts? Was it B, I belong anywhere but here? Was it C, I belong with my friends? Or D, I belong in a Franciscan monastery? I'd say Hogwarts is where he belonged. Sam, you're home and hose. You passed. You got one of our two smaller questions right. So, Sam, it's an interesting theme in fiction for children to be adopted and then struggle with acceptance and a sense of place and belonging. Now, your story isn't one of fiction, but it's a story of adoption and finding your place. So do you mind sharing your story? Maybe start at the beginning with your early life. So do you, do you know where you were born? 
Well, I do know that I was born in East Melbourne at the Royal Women's Hospital. It was part of the program for women who were unwed mothers. So my birth mother would have gone through this program where she went to the hospital, had a baby, and then went to a ch- I went to a children's home. And um, my children's home was actually in Brunswick in um, Albion Street at Hartnett House, which is now run by Melbourne City Mission. So what happened after that? You, you were there for a few months? So I have um, come from a family with four children and my mum and dad had two kids of their own and then they wanted... My mum really wanted, actually, which is interesting about Anna Green Gables, my mum really wanted to have a girl. So she adopted my brother Andrew, which we all clarified is was not a girl. <laughs> okay. um, so, But Andrew, um, she adopted him because he needed a, a home to go to. He was a bit older. So um, they called her back and every year she'd go to a cake stall and a fundraiser fair at Hartnett House. And so... When mum and dad went in 1970 to the cake stall, sister Kylie said to mum, oh, Velma and Donald, actually, you know, come and buy a cake, but there's a little girl who needs a home. You might want to take her home with you. And mum and dad went, "Mm, oh, okay, well, we'll think about it. They took the cake because that's my mum. She always took the cake. (laughs) Um, And, uh, yeah, I was not well at the time. I had a very bad cold and I wasn't... um, My feet wouldn't respond to a certain test that babies should have because I probably didn't have proper oxygen when I was delivered. Right. So they were told, you know, you can have a baby and take her home and you, if you have Samantha for three months, you can keep her. If her feet respond, you can keep her and if they don't, you, can, you need to give her back and uh, then you can have a new baby. So that was quite an interesting kind of concept yeah. for my mum and dad. And your name was already Samantha, wasn't it? It was, it was actually. And these are these interesting connections. So my birth mother named me Samantha and my mum and dad, you can get a sense already, they're beautiful people, and but they weren't always that organised. And so when they actually collected me to take me home, they hadn't thought about a name that much. <laughs> and um, because I was quite unwell, the story goes, they took me to the chemist and the chemist said, oh, well, we need to give her some medicine, what's her name? And my mum went, oh, um, uh, well, she, uh, she thought of Helen or Karen or something, and um, she. But she said, "Oh, Samantha," and she looked at my dad, and he went, "Yeah, yeah, that'll do." You know. So I don't know what the chemist thought. Maybe he thought I'd stolen me or something. But I don't know. Right. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fascinating story. Yeah. It's my family. <laughs> so obviously you grew up um, in that space, but you didn't. Obviously you weren't aware that you were adopted um, when you were very young. No, no, not at all. No. You just have your big brothers. My older brothers were much older, so my eldest brother's 17 years older than me and my then the next one was 14 years older and then I had a brother closer in age he was three years older he was adopted as well. Now adoption can be a very challenging experience there are different experiences of adoption as Anne of Green Gables and Harry Potter both illustrate to some extent so how was your experience? Look well and my experience is still going it's always been a very positive experience I have uh, never had a real I never had a problem until I realised that society and community had certain opinions that were not the same as the opinions and the, the thoughts, uh, the way that I'd been brought up. So when did you find out you were adopted? Well, I'd done my research, right? You know, you go to primary school and you talk to your friends and they talk about the birds and the bees and stuff like that. And I remember asking my mum and dad about where did I come from? And my mum would tell me I was, um, she got me from a cabbage patch, Right. And, um, and I did my research, right, and I found actually no one else had come from a cabbage patch at school. So I, I came in, I remember being in the kitchen and saying to mum, yeah, I think I was about six or seven, and going, no, no one else comes from a cabbage patch, so 
what's the deal really? Right. And so at that point my mum said, well, we couldn't have a little girl and so we went and we had a look in a, a special place that had special kids that um, were, didn't, that needed a mum and dad and so we looked at a whole lot of babies and we chose you. Mm. So and I remember thinking, oh, that's beautiful. You know, so that was a positive experience for you to yeah. find out that, you, that this cabbage patch was in some ways not real, but it was or yeah. it was a figurative cabbage patch in yeah. some sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So then, how did you? You felt that was a, a positive experience for you there, but how did others react? Because it wasn't always necessarily a pleasant experience, as you've just alluded to. No, no. Um, and I don't think I, I sort of thought much about that. But you know, occasionally you'd chat as you're you're growing up in primary school, and I, I'd talk to you. You talk to your friends about people and and life and. And I remember maybe sharing it with one or two people. And in grade five, I had an experience, Rob, where I'd, I'd had a day off school and I went to school the next day. And I remember arriving and walking into the classroom and all of my things from my desk were out the front, out the, you know, you had your blackboard, your mat, and then you had all the desks. And I remember seeing all my things out the front and my grade five teacher looking at me and saying, nobody wants to sit next to you. And I remember thinking okay, I, I don't really know what's going on here. And um, I remember just standing there for quite a while while they worked out what they did with me. And finally, one little girl in my class who I probably never talked to before, actually. I probably would have thought she was a bit of a dag and a kid and a bit of a nerd and I'm not going to play with you. She said that she'd sit next to me. Mm. And I remember sitting next to her and saying, after a little while, do you know what's going on? Um, do you know why people won't talk to me? Because no one talked to me. It was really quite bizarre. Like from the Cause moment- Because they'd been talking to you up to this oh, point. Oh, I had lots of friends and was very sporty and all these things. And no one talked to me. And she said to me after a little while, she said, oh, they're saying that you're adopted. And I remember thinking, because I've always been brought up being, to be honest, and having a real moral dilemma of, well, Clearly, this is not a thing to be saying that you'll do. And now I'm feeling like, but I am, and I'd have to lie. So I remember um, it, was, it was weeks, if not a month or more, where people just didn't talk to me. Um, and I ended up playing with this girl um, who was a, actually, I learnt a lot. And um, her mum was my RE teacher at school. So RE is religious education. Religious education. Yeah. Right. And, um, but before, before we move on, yeah. though, that's, that's obviously that's a really difficult experience for a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a U5, what's about 10-year-old girl or something to be yeah. sort of confronted with here. How, yeah. how, did you, how did you sort of process that? Oh, I don't know. Um, they, I got terrible phone calls as well. So people were ringing the house and like laughing and hanging up and doing all that stuff. I don't know. And so I remember feeling quite, um, just quite distressed because I didn't quite know where my place was suddenly. It was quite... Um, yeah, quite a, threw my world around. What um, actually it did, though, was um, this group of people who I would probably have looked down on, they were really loving and welcoming and they loved talking to me and they invited me th to things and no so one else this, did. This, this, was, this was this girl's family, was it? This... Uh, her family and her friendship group right. who were all the girls that I would never have spoken to, you know, and, and, Why wouldn't and, you have spoken to them before? Oh, because I, I would have thought they were daggy and, you know, they were down. Like, they weren't at my level. Like, I was right. much cooler than them, right. clearly. Okay. Until I was clearly not much cooler than them. And um, I learnt a lot about what friendship means, actually. Yeah? What, what did you learn? Uh, well, I learnt um, 
that that was about who cares about you despite what happens in your life and what your history is or um, that you're, you know, people are different and that people accept you for who you are and mm. that it's not a, um, a come and go kind of relationship. So, and interestingly, I remember after my friends decided, all my friends had decided to let me back into their world and my world settled again. Um, when I, I was asked to go to a party for the cool girls and I said, no, I'm going to my friend Bronwyn's party and they said, well, no, but she's an idiot. And I said, actually, no, I'm going because uh, I had learnt. And I, um, I, think, I, I, I think there's lessons you need to learn in your life that happen all along the journey. So, so in, in some ways it's a real demonstration of who your true friends really are Correct. Then, in yeah, some sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then you, said, you mentioned this girl who was from a, the religious sort of family, so to mm. speak. Um, tell us a bit more about how that progressed or what happened with that. Yeah, well, so she, like I said, so she had, um, there just were lots of little connections. And my parents, so in those days in the 70s, you know, you went to church anyway mm. sometimes, but it because it was more of a community cultural thing. So I knew what church was like for my parents, but her parents were Salvation Army. They, Her mum was um, coming to school. I could see what her mum did in her faith, which was quite different. I hadn't seen that before. And then they so, had... So what was different? What was different about it? It was just, um, they talked about their faith in a real way. Like it was part of who they were and it wasn't just a Sunday morning from 10 till 12 kind of conversation. It was throughout their whole um, everything so else in their it, it was life. obviously very real for, to, the, yeah. to them and the way they lived their lives. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that, that was um, striking to you. Correct, yeah. 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 It okay. appealed to me. What, what appealed to you about it? Um, it connected people and it, there was a connection in the family, there was a connection in the community that I could see uh, that they had. And there was an intention as well. There were things that people did um, in that family because they, were, they sort of knew where they were going and why, they had a roadmap, I think, mm. that I, I mm. thought... Because then uh, after that, you actually started going to church yourself. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about how that, how that experience happened? Well, I went to a school that was a church-based school and uh, mm -hmm. so, and then in year 10, I became very close friends with another person who, a, a really lovely woman, young woman, a girl at school and her dad was the head of a Bible college and I really loved spending time with her and I really, really connected with, again, her. her. She was fun, she was sporty, she was clever, she, was, she had an interesting faith that I found really uh, I wanted to learn more about and her family were people that I found were beautiful people. They lived quite out far, um, out in um, Croydon area and so the rule was if you stayed over at her house on a Saturday night, which... You know, I lived in North Baldwin and, you know, if you stayed on Saturday night, you had to go to church in the morning. So right. I'd go to church with her. I thought, I don't mind. Yeah. That's fine. It's like being at school. You hear about something, you know, religious education. So I did that for several years, but I became a Christian sort of in uh, year 11. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Well, so how was your experience in going to church? Because some people suggest that, you know, people, church people are judgmental and hypocritical. What did you discover? Oh, church people are just people. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it's like work people, it's like people people. Yeah. So I, I, um, you, you find people that are like you. You also find people who uh, maybe make you feel vulnerable. So uh, you find people who, uh, one of the wonderful things I love about and, and did from the start, love finding out about people is that you can look at someone and you think you know what they are going to be like. You reckon you've summed them up pretty quickly and 
then you find out that your idea of who that person is is actually really different and you'd I've really missed the mark you know and right, I love yeah. that people are like a gift you find out so much about them when you get to know them yeah, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know. You're never quite sure what you're going to get, as they <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, what was it then? That, so you, became, you said you became a Christian at the end of, uh, of year eleven. Mm. So what was it then about the Christian message that that resonated with you? That made you think this was for you? In the Bible, there was cl- strong messages about adoption. It was actually everyone's adopted. It's not like um, anyone got a free card kind of thing. Right. So from that perspective, interestingly, I, th- I really liked Jesus' story because he had a, a pretty interesting entrance into the world, uh, you know, from the start. His mum was a little bit controversial. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I sort of thought, yeah, I resonate with that. So I think the strength and power of the Bible gave me a guide. Yeah. Uh, there was room to think and... People would look at something in the Bible and I would see something different than you would see, Rob. Yeah. But then at another time we would both see something different again. Mm. So there was always a um, something to learn. So you mentioned the Bible there. So how, how was that a guide for you? For me, the Bible was something that I could pour myself into. And, and in my late teens and early 20s, you know, particularly in those very formative times, I, I dwelt on the Word of God a lot and, um, and I found it really quite calming too because when you're feeling quite a lot of doubt uh, there are so many uh, guiding words and um, words that help calm you when you're feeling distressed Mm. and it's not fair to rely on people to give me my comfort because people are people but I found with the word of God and my faith in Jesus that that was constant it was, I wasn't going to walk in one day and they were, my things weren't going to be out the front of the room. There wasn't going to be a, we don't like you anymore. So um, I think I found that a real uh, security, a real mm. um, comfort for me. So Jesus was safe? Correct. Yeah. 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 Now, as you've mentioned, adoption is a theme in the Bible. It's found in the opening section of the book of Ephesians, which is one of the letters written by the Apostle Paul in the first century. In Ephesians 1, 4-6, Paul writes... For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now, this passage emphasizes being chosen in him, in Christ. Now, singer and actress Kristen Chenoweth said, Adopted children were not abandoned, we were chosen. So how is the biblical image of being chosen by God powerful for you? Um, I suppose what it did for me when I read the Bible and I read those words was the power really struck me that uh, my mum had told me that. So I'd always known I was chosen by my mum and dad. Uh, and I found that the Bible actually showed me that God uses people for his good purposes in many ways and my parents weren't Christians uh, and hadn't committed their their lives to God but God used them so actually my mum and dad and uh, I suppose and different parts of my life particularly as I became a Christian and when I was thinking about you know do you do I do this or not you know is this something real and that's mm. where faith comes in but for me that idea of being chosen actually I realized was a message that I'd had all my life mm. and so I felt like I'd sort of arrived at the place where 
it, it started to make sense for me. Mm. And here he is right in the, yeah. the, in, the, in, the in the Bible yeah, as, yeah. As, a, as a key yeah, message. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It also says in verse 5 of Ephesians 1 there that the Greek word used for adoption to sonship is a legal term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in Roman culture. So then how does that concept resonate with you and particularly the idea of adoption at the heart of the Christian message? I suppose that for me, and maybe this is where it links in with other parts of the work and the way that I live, is about equality. Mm-hmm. It, um, it didn't give me rank. Uh, I think as people we like to have uh, rank and levels of priority and who gets more attention than others and um, or how we treat people differently. And I think it just made those that verse for me makes me realise that we're all equal in the eyes of God. So that's... That's settling. Mm. So how else does it help you to know that you're chosen by God and adopted by him? Uh, it humbles me because it reminds me that so is everyone else. So it makes me remember that uh, I need to care and know that my I have a part in everybody's journey. I, I don't want to be a page in someone's life that is uh, traumatising or unaccepting for people mm. so it reminds me that because I don't know it's it's not my right to know what happens at the end of everyone's story but uh, I'm accountable for my part in people's stories and I, I want people to know that I, I'm I'm thankful for everybody that God's put in this world. Mm. Now the passage in Ephesians continues and Paul writes in verses 7 to 10 In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, this passage has been described as a kaleidoscope of dazzling lights. Is that how you see it? I think for me... It's a kaleidoscope, but there's a plan and there's a purpose. Mm. It's not like it's an accident, you know, these things um, happen. And sometimes I look at my life and I think of um, I think of those sliding doors moments, you know, and if you've seen the movie Sliding Doors where um, she goes to the woman, key actor, runs to get a train and she misses the train in one version and she gets the train in the other and it tells you different stories. For me, it's I'm very mindful that if my mum and dad hadn't adopted me I may well have ended up in a children's home I wasn't responding to my feet if I didn't have the love and attention and the uh the kisses and the cuddles that my mum heaped on me uh in that three months where she was so fearful that I'd be taken away and put back into that children's home I could well have been a person with a disability living in a children's home working living going through it having a completely different journey and that's okay too but I see that the doors slid and the, the, the colours and the kaleidoscope of um, my experience has been part of the plan and purpose for me. It's certainly, I'm very mindful, Rob, that it's not everybody's experience. Mm, there's different experiences of adoption. Absolutely. Particular. There's yeah. different experiences of life. Mm. Certainly that part has been a real blessing for me. Yeah. Um, now, have you ever then tried to find your biological parents? No, it's probably the most common question I'm asked and it's it's never been something that I've I've felt that I I, I need to do 
Uh, I, I suppose that comes partly with the... It's, I've always been content with the family that I've been given. I've been very, very blessed with a wonderful mum and dad. Um, and I've, interestingly, my brother who's adopted as well, he did find out. He never felt settled. So I, I'm, I'm not ignorant um, to... Uh, people's other people's experience of adoption absolutely and I, I know enough to you know, I know of people who have had wonderful experiences finding their birth family um, my brother's experience wasn't wonderful but it was a real privilege to walk along that path with him as he was uh, going through that process and it was painful my mum and dad were so supportive they they just never cared they'd say find out if you want to find out don't if you don't I think my mum was always intrigued I think the main motivator for mum was to say to my birth mother particularly, thank you, because I, I think you don't, you don't carry a child for nine months and have no emotion about that. So, and my mum was just so thankful, and my mum was thankful to the day she died that, that I was able to be a part of our, her family and um, our family. So, and I've always been thankful too. So for me, it's, a, it's not something that... I haven't done it because I'm, I don't care or, or anything. It's just it's not been something at this point in time of my journey that I've ever wanted to, to do. Mm. Mm. You mentioned just before about being settled. Like to what extent then do you think that your Christian faith has helped you then find your place and be settled and hence perhaps maybe not even try to find your, your biological parents? Because I, I suppose my faith and what I read in the Bible is that I can keep yearning and looking for people to give me a sense of who I am but I realised quite early that I need to know who I am as a Christian and, and in my faith and in myself uh, because like I touched on before a person isn't going to fulfil me it's I can't blame anyone else I can't <laughs> um, give credit to anyone else uh, it, it's about a constant refinement. When I was um, in my early 20s, I, Rob, I went through this stage where I was really determined that I was begun, going to become very wise. Mm -hmm. And so I read a whole lot of books on wisdom and then I realised that I could read every book on wisdom but I wasn't going to become wise by doing that. I just had to actually live life and that meant I had to live the good and the bad and the ugly of it mm. and that would be how I gain wisdom and particularly growing in my faith. And so for me, you know, my faith is what carries me through that, that experience and that's how I become wiser. <laughs> I've still got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, thank you so much You're for welcome. sharing your story today. We've got a final question today, the big question. Mm. So, Sam, where can I find my place? I think read your Bible. I think finding your faith is through reading your Bible, knowing God, um, opening your heart to him. The um, verse that stands out for me most in my journey so far as a Christian is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So from Proverbs. So it's, that's, that's probably the thing I would say how I find my place is just through trust. Yeah. And keep going. Yeah. And so you find a real sense of place then in the words of the Bible and in, in the Christian message. Yeah, I do. Mm. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's reflection on the big question, where can I find my place? From Ephesians 1, 4 to 6. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption 
to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks very much to our guest today, Sam Dooley. Thank you, Rob. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.